0: called Miss Misery by Elliot Smith. It is the closing song from Goodwill Hunting. What a beautiful Friday afternoon we're having. December the 30th here in North Carolina. Here in As if it's not December 30th everywhere in the world, but uh, welcome to another edition of Michael L Craver presents. I was uh, enjoying the holidays. I've had some mild professional success and The uh, year has been a pretty good year. Um, I hope that you guys out there are thankful and and happy in your neck of the woods, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. The kind of roller coaster that I've I've had this year has been interesting. Um, I was able to close up a a very difficult... um, section of learning in my life and um, you know I got some good writing done I got some professional um, recognition promotion my standard of living has changed a little bit my budget has been altered somewhat and my level of acceptance and also how much I accept other people has drastically changed right and I found environments where I fit very, very well. Uh, I found other people who fit into my um, comfort zone very, very well. And it's just it's been a good sort of transition period for me through 2022. Uh, I hope that the other folks who out there in the world are seeing you know more of the same. If you're trying to get along with people, if you're trying to understand. From the inside out who they are and how they get to where they are because what's been really difficult in in my life has been that i'm a math and science guy i'm uh, gonna let some sunshine in my office it's been a math and science uh kind of world for many people you know is trying to argue about COVID and science and nonsense which is fine but i'm talking more along the lines of um It can be very hard for me to feel um, accepted by people. For me to feel like we understand and uh, can be like optimistic about having different approaches in our lives. You may want to do something your way. I may do it a different way, and it's we may arrive at the same outcome but there's often more than one right way to do something and i think it's very difficult in my shoes uh when i've tried to talk to people and they say well that's not what the average person would do that's not what we're you know looking for on this conveyor belt this assembly line kind of world that we're building where you go to mcdonald's and you place your order through a kiosk rather than a human being well the kiosk i guess could smile back at you if they put emojis or you know an animation something on the screen however it's never going to have that same kind of energy that you feel uh connecting to another person where you can see them light up and smile and dynamic etc people may try to have a complex dialogue about this and say, well, they're building artificial intelligence and they have robots and all these, you know. You understand what I mean, right? To feel that that humanity across the other side of a compromise or just a general interaction, saying hello to somebody, how are you doing, being acknowledged by another person is something that you can never... um, replace with uh, animatronics or with, you know, a machine of any kind. For me, uh, when you look around and you say, well, I talk to people, uh, I text them all day, I'm on social media platforms. That's extremely different from the synergy and what happens when you're in a room and you can feel something happen. Like when you watch uh, a crowd at a soccer game. That's not something that you can just manufacture. That's something that is going on they're living and breathing uh, life in this uncontrollable moment, and that's what I look for out of people like I just can't find the kind of i don't know if I, if in a partner when i'm look for or what I would want to have as a friend as a romantic uh or um, relationship equal, or you know, maybe we are not be equal. Maybe she's better than I am. You know. But what I look for out of that adventure is to be able to say, well, I admire this person. I expect that they're going to make reasonable decisions, and we're all going to be accountable. We're all going to be patient. Because some people have a method where they prefer, like a trial and error way of doing things. I'm I'm a math and science guy, right? I may look at a situation and th- that has a chance for a joke, and you may tell me that the joke is a little bit, that's uh, a little bit strong. It's over the line. And that's where I, I may look at you and tell you, well, that's absolutely true. But I didn't know what the line was until I crossed it. Or what you may think is this idealistic, this hypothetical line that we develop is something that is not really the way it has to be. Maybe we can do better. I mean, that's the way we look at everything socially. Hey, we're doing this and that for people and veterans and patients at the hospital, etc. But we could be doing better. And there's other people who would tell you, nah, it's just fine the way it is. People need to be tough. You could, you could listen to other episodes of Michael L. Craver Presents on Spotify, whatever. And you may hear me tell you that overpopulation is a tremendously um, toxic thing for our planet. It is. And it, there's no way to separate those two and divorce that the condition of the planet, the extreme weather inflation, etc. All of those things are tied to overpopulation in a negative way. But you may feel differently about it. You may go, ah, climate is cyclical and it just gets colder some winters and it's just hotter some summers. And I'll go, well, that's fine. But when the climate folks are telling you this is what happens with the environment and they're the ones who come up with the forecast, then you should stop listening to the forecast. When they're giving you the other information about what's too hot and too cold and when to water your plants and when to cover them up so they don't freeze, stop listening. If you're telling me that they're not credible, then don't let them be credible in any way, shape, or form. But I think that you accept people for the totality, for the the umbrella and the complete package of who they are. And so when I've, when I've talked to friends, sometimes they'll say, you know what, you know what Michael doesn't do, He's this very basic thing, or, you know, there's some situation where they disagree with something about how I would approach a situation. Or maybe I'm wrong. I did something that they would consider a mistake. Hey, you went over the line. You stepped over the line. These are very simple things. And I'll say, look, I'm questioning where the line is. I'm questioning what people can and should do sometimes. Because what we've always been told is not how it's always going to be. I'm a fourth-dimensional kind of guy. I mean, when Plato came around, he had some ideas, and nobody really appreciated him until later. And I do. I look at where things are going and where they're going to be, and then I start, you know, making those adjustments now. Now, you may tell me, well, you know, that's... You know what that sounds like? That sounds like them guys with the Doomsday bunker. They're saying it's going to be the end of times, and they're going to stock up on food and live under the ground. And I would say that could be a fair comparison to say they have what they think the future is going to be, and they're acting accordingly. And Michael has his version of the future, and he's acting accordingly. But at the end of the day, um, it's a possibility. And I don't think anybody wants to be wrong. I I certainly have uh, optimism, and I'm doing things the best that I know. Not only how to do them, but uh, the way I believe that I should do them. And somebody else may tell me that what I do is outside of their um, regular. It's outside of the box. People don't normally do that. I said, well, that's all right. Because people who are at the um, end of the spectrum... So they're like the
1: the
0: 0.01%. They're still people, right? There are rare, rare people in this world. You may look at something like what Elon Musk does and say, well, he's fucking awful. And he does this or that. Somebody else may say he's great because he shot people into space and he has electric cars. And you may have a completely different take on it. What is odd oftentimes is People take a piece of what he has done, and that is what shapes and what completely um, defines a person to them. It's not the totality of the circumstances, it's not the complete package. Now, I'm going to try things that I'm going to get wrong. You may try things that you get wrong. You know, and being accountable, it means to me, it's very clear when I make that mistake, I put it down and that, that was a mistake we'll go a different route we'll tweak it a little bit we'll try it again we'll keep running this experiment and you're always wrong until you get it right and then scientists sometimes will try to duplicate the experiment with different elements or in a different environment because they want to know that it's truly successful you know and that's just it's how I am it's not hey this is the way it should be and we're going to build it from the ground up and that's how it has to be Because, um, if that's true, why don't homicide detectives get to pick out who's guilty and then only pursue them? Well, Michael, they need to explore all the evidence and all the possibilities. Hey, wait a minute. That's right. I explore all the elements. Collect all the evidence. And I explore all the possibilities. It's just how I am. And I'm going to get a lot more wrong than you're going to get wrong because I don't care if I get things wrong as long as I'm learning from them and they're reasonable. And many of the things that I think are reasonable, innocent or harmless mistakes, other folks look at those things as a mistake. It's a statistic to them. You got one wrong. I say okay. But well, we have a quiz and then we have the test and you know, generally I do very well on the test. I've received plenty of accolades and GPA and you know, what I have on my resume in the world is not bad. However, I'm gonna to continue to run into people as my life goes on that they look at things in this vacuum, in this box, and then say, well, here's where people fit into this box, and here's the categories that go in, and it's clearly defined, and this is how it's always gonna be. That's not me. When I meet someone, they have a fresh chance. Some other girl did me wrong does not mean I'm going to tell you that you're going to screw it up like she did. Well, oh, you got that blonde hair. I've been with a blonde before. You if I've been with this blonde. You been with somebody with my social security number before? Mm-mm. Oh, well, I guess you should treat me as an individual then. But you're a guy. I mean, you got hair and two arms legs, and You're going to be just like every other guy. This is how guys are supposed to act. It's how you're supposed to act. Like, no, that's, that's not them, and that's not me. I grew up with my family and raised my children, etc. I have a unique set of experiences uh, or combination of experiences in the world. And what works best for everybody else may not be what works best for me. It may not be the way I operate, even if it's not what's best for me. You know, that's, that's a complex situation in and of itself. Because I'm very selfless. You know, I was in a relationship up until last year that I, I just looked around and I said, I've watched all these you know, TV shows and been part of all these uh, situations that are not my first choice. But I'm trying to have that herd mentality. Is that a good way to say it? That I'm trying to go along with making the situation better. And it's easier for me to just give up whatever my preference would be than to exhaust all of the energy and have the fight or whatever to to have it go my way. And there's a lot of people who are going to tell me what I did and I'll agree and say it's unhealthy. Yeah, it's unhealthy. (laughs) I don't have any doubt about that. I know that now uh, and I probably knew it then. However... I was getting it wrong to be part of the greater good and be able to um, look at it in a way that it wasn't for me. It was for somebody else. And though you would tell me what I'm doing is individually unhealthy to me, much like what a coal miner does, (laughs) he's doing it as a, I don't know, a way to support his family, as part of uh, his sacrifice to... like You know, someone in the military does the same thing. What they're doing is often very unhealthy, but... Their sacrifice means this and that for the greater good. Statistically, you know, everybody else will be better off for this guy who was um, sacrificial, a martyr, uh, who was selfless is a good way of saying it. And you know, there's people in my life that I've admired for long periods of time, or I just have fallen in love with, etc. And we do not often share. the same opinions about how a normal or a perfect person, et cetera, would be. But that often comes because I like to have individual chances to see how people work with, I don't know, better resources, better knowledge, philosophy, or otherwise. When I came to the department that I work in professionally, they brought me there because it wasn't perfect. And we worked to make all kinds of changes. And there's people who will agree that it's a lot better. I don't know anybody who's arguing that it's worse. But there might be somebody who could point out, hey, what about this? And you could. You could look for those wild ways that we could make the world into a utopia. And that's fine. I I welcome that sort of feedback. You know, this person who... um wants to be happy in life, is looking for life to provide this for them. And maybe everybody else isn't looking for that. You know what they don't make? No, what don't they make, Jim? Well, I don't know. They they don't make toilets out of nickel. You want a, a toilet made out of the same thing as nickels? Yeah, you know, just for me. It's my preference. And there's people who are like that. You know, they want something like a commissioned piece of art, they want a portrait of them, they want things customized, or have this wild idea for a, a piece of... It is, it's of a, something that they created, a preference they have, and many times people don't have the passion to see that through, but other folks, you know, they, they see, they envision, they execute a garden, a work of art. <laughs> Maybe it's someone you consider a hoodlum, but what they're doing is creative to them you you call it graffiti and they call it art could be right the officer calls it property damage you know the the guy who owns the wall that he, he painted on calls it you know unfavorable or ugly or in need of repair but it's just so strange that we all don't or at least it, i find it uncommon that people don't understand the different methodologies. They don't understand that those things exist and are very real ways that we go about doing things. And that doesn't make any sense to, to folks. When you see a guy who's homeless and this and that and the other, to somebody else, they think, well, that's the only life they've ever known. And it sucks that there's not more of that kind of... Um, the universal sort of acknowledgement that there's more than one way to do things. And all kinds of different people have things that make them happy or that they consider to be the the abstract idea of happiness. And, you know, we're not all going to agree on those things for sure because some people look at, you know... Um, the way of, of life in a place like China and they go, well, there's no human rights and this is a crazy way to live. And there's a lot of folks who live in that country, a, a very large statistic a very very large number of people who think that's their home, that's the you know the Ming Dynasty or whatever they may cling to in present or past and say, well this is you know as good as it ever gets. this is our heritage, this is who we are. We can't change that. And that's admirable in a different kind of way. Well, people don't really still live like that. But yes, they do. And they think that that is sacred, and they don't want to change. Now, I can beg and plead with you and go, you know, what you think is a mistake is something that I did by design, and it's part of a, a bigger, like, long-term um, evolution of things. I'm doing something that you don't see yet. Or you don't. You don't. You know, it's not the way it is in 2022, but it is going to be the way it is in the future. And because I'm already doing that, I'm going to be prepared. This is how we should treat each other. This is the kind of humor um, and ego balance that you should have at work. It shouldn't be all about like sense of pride, beat my chest, look what I did. Okay, I understand that result that you think is like the end-all be-all perhaps i think that i built a better culture for people to work in and over the course of 30 years they're able to stay there be loyal and be happy and you may look at it like today look what i did and it's gonna last forever all right well that's fine you built a bridge all right However, that's maybe a different objective than what I'm trying to do. Maybe I'm not trying to build a one-time thing and then move on to the next job or hope I have a contract or maybe I'll see you again and maybe I don't see you again. This is not like a fucking uh, rock and Rio that happens once a year where they, this is the one time we get everybody together and everybody has a good time. Then we go home the rest of the year and we wait till another rock festival. It's not like maybe it's not like Woodstock where they every twenty five years or whatever the hell, um, which leads me to the question: Are they going to have Woodstock twenty twenty four? I need to look that up. But it's going to be one of those things where it's like, yeah, man, you had to be there, to do this one time thing, and okay, but we live and breathe every single day. I don't save up all of my money to go drinking on Friday night and have one good time. I try to have the best moment that I can have as. Each and every moment continues to begin and end. So we may uh, philosophically just look at it completely differently. I may look at it like what you did fizzled out, or that is like old glory. I scored four touchdowns in high school. You can never take that away from me. Uh, But now you're 60. What have you done for the last 40 years? I scored four touchdowns in high school. Oh. uh, uh, Right. Friends, family, work, happiness, religion, you know, what what is it that you think you've strived to, to be? A better member of the community, a bishop in the church, whatever it is. Maybe you have goals. Maybe you don't have goals. Maybe those were your goals and you're cool with it. But over the course of time, it does beg to ask, What do you see for everybody else? If you think that you are done contributing, but you're still alive, it doesn't make it kind of a complex thing to talk about and say well if michael's always doing these things if he's always running these experiments he's always wondering what's right what's wrong he's trying to see how far we can go and how much progress we can make is he he, i mean that's probably pretty exhausting in a way it is but you hear how much energy i have every time that i have you know a show or if you've ever been around me in the physical world like I feed off of um, when people have a good wavelength with me. When we connect, it's fucking awesome. When we're competitive, a lot of times I you know, feed off of that. It's just a tennis match back and forth. So in one way, if we're running in the same direction, I may try to outrun you, and I may try to keep pace with you and conversate with you, and I'm going to keep you company because I'm going to push you harder. Maybe you can't run as fast as me, but if you talk with me and you continue to have that slow growth like you're going to become as fast as I am somebody else may say well Michael then you're not pushing your limits and I will say yes it's true absolutely that I have tried to say from what I'm looking for in a relationship a woman a partner whatever what I've always wanted to have is someone who is not their final version of themselves they're constantly you know have a to-do list and you know just every day they're not running around with a, a wild, long, you know, fifty things that need to get done that day, and then tomorrow is fifty more, and by the end of the week, goddamn it, there's three hundred and fifty. No, it's. And I don't look at it like that. Much of the way that I see things is quality over quantity, and it's got a lot to do with who people, not only. Um, are but what their potential is what they could be because when I look around and think to myself that I tried to have a conversation with a, a friend or a client or you know a woman and they see me as just another guy and they're like yeah guys act like this people should be like this basic behaviors go this way And if you're against those basic behaviors, well, we may disagree fourth dimensionally about this. Because if I think that in the long run things could be better, I'm often trying to to keep spending my time in the lab. And I'm very happy with that, right? Because I get way ahead of other folks, if it's economically or professionally or otherwise, because uh, I'm able to tighten up my budget cut my spending. Maybe I'm able to make, pour more money in to my bank account because I've gone out and I've gotten a promotion or I've found another source of income. I've got a second job. I played the lottery and it came out in my favor. There's a lot of things that are going to be these influences as to what your resources are, right? And those things can often change your potential. One of the things I did for myself is to change how I think and how I approach things. So if I always act the way that everybody else is, I'll get lost in the crowd, I'm not telling you to run out and do something wild and get on the news. But there's often uh, this, and it's what entrepreneurs do. They find things that people you know, don't have, and there's room for improvement. And then they, they find something that needs a solution, and then they provide it as a product or a service. And now they have something that is a new passion for them. It's a source of income. It's rewarding for them. Now, they may do it for free. I mean, there's people who, you know, like, they develop the technology for something and then just put it out into the world. That happens. But I also think that from a relationship perspective, that's how I am as well. You may look at it and say, well, this is how I would want a guy to treat me. And And that may be you, right? You're never going to change with that. You want a guy who fits into a box and he's perfectly molded and he's going to be in pristine condition. Like when you open the... The present, and it's a holiday Barbie. You're never going to take it out of the box. You're going to put it on the shelf, and it's going to stay that way forever. And you'll just dust it off every now and then, so it looks, keeps looking fresh. There's other people who are just they're rugged, and they're they're going to have like scars and broken fingernails, and well, I have all these things right here, right? And that's going to be from them being tested out in the world. They are a tool, and tools have marks of use. Uh, For when they've been beaten on or hammered or exposed to fire or whatever it is. And you go, oh man. You know, how come your tools look like they've been used? Well, they have, dummy. Like I didn't take my tools and go buy a drill and leave it in the box and put it up on the shelf in my shop so I could stare at it. I'm doing practical things with myself. The reason that you have a, a hard time with your bullshit basic logic with me is because I've gone out there and I've done what you said could be done and way it sh- the way it should be done, and I've seen that there are other possibilities. And then I'm going to say to you, you're not considering these other possibilities. And you'll go, well, I don't have to. And there's people who are like that, that they do not want to consider other possibilities. They want to change. They think, well, a guy could act this way, should act this way, and that's all I'm going to settle for that means you're not dynamic and you're not understanding you're not adaptive, you don't have the aptitude or the acceptance to do things a different way to ever improve or change your state of mind that's just being hard-headed as they always uh, said in the past being picky, choosy some people might call it uppity right? these are my standards okay, well those would be your standards but what does that really mean? means you're putting people in a box. You want people to put people in a column and check them off a list and act like you know, you're know you walking around and you got your papers? Show me your papers. You're Just checking to see if they're acting the way they're supposed to be acting, if they're who they say they are, are they a citizen or they a Jew, whatever the f- it might have been in the course of history. It's a, it's a tyrannical way to fucking approach things because then you're like the authority on the way it should be. That's not accepting of other people. And if you if you really accept other people, are you admitting that you don't have the tolerance or the ability to change? What is it that you're trying to say by excluding the other people? And that's something only you're probably gonna be able to answer. Now you may seek a psychologist or a psychiatrist otherwise, but you have to do that, right? You gotta be part of that solution. You would have to accept what they say as well as being something that is a reasonable, um, uh, diagnosis or just a thought that they have. But as long as you don't accept the way that other people think, or you're going to exclude and push people out, whether it's because you're a, you know, red-blooded whatever person and you think these are the people who belong in America. Them people don't belong in America. Only well, the immigration office can decide that for us. They're going to give them a green card or they're going to nationalize them or otherwise. You... Probably are not going to be the person who's in charge of pretty much anything that comes in and out of your life. When you roll up to the intersection, there's no telling who's going to be there. When you go to the store, you may think the same cashier is going to be there every day, and one day they call out sick. You may, you know, where's my regular doctor? He's sick today. Oh, oh okay. And you can either choose to let the new person. Provide service and, and have an experience with them. Or you can go, no, I'll come back when my regular doctor's here. It's the only way I can live. He's the only person I trust. He's practicing medicine. He's board certified. These other people are practicing medicine. They're board certified. Why wouldn't you accept their opinion? Well that other guy's my doctor, you know, he's a... So what? If he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, he's practicing medicine, it would be extremely rare for him to be this radical doctor that's just out there in the world with peers, and he he may even be sharing an office with other people, and only he can get something right for you. It seems very odd, right? You can only call one plumber out of the yellow pages. Nobody else could ever fix your plumbing. That's right. Only one man is compatible with me. People that only act this way are compatible with me. It's non-negotiable. No, you're non-negotiable, dumbass. Like that's the only way it works is if you are intolerant or not inclusive or you're unable to compromise. And I'm not saying to lower your standards, but I'm saying that you can be patient and figure out if you were right. That's how you know if you were right or wrong, by being tolerant, being patient, and trying things different ways. It's crazy nonsense, like you, a kid who only eats macaroni and cheese his whole life, and you go, know, well, Lord, that's the only thing he'll eat. No, it's not. Take it away from him. Make him change. Put him in a situation of desperation. And people don't expose themselves to this kind of thing. That's what makes boot camp and all these other kind of uh, warrior spirit courses and everything else so appealing to these people who are trying to really push their limits. Is that they've not been exposed to that level of intensity or a challenge that is, you know, those appealing situations for those folks, right? Because a lot of times they're paying to go through these courses and they get a t shirt, take a picture, and they're all muddy and they're like, I did something, which is fine. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing, like having a gym membership and maintaining, you know, the best level of uh, exercise and, you know, improving your blood work is what you're really doing. If you're going to Planet Fitness on a regular basis and you're doing it uh, in a healthy way. But there's a lot of folks in the world who don't volunteer to be put into obstacle-driven situations. They want everything to be as easy as they can be. It's complacent. It's putting everybody in a box. And it's it's extremely, to me, uh, a a very depressing kind of piece of the world that folks are not looking to the future or progress or don't possess those skills. Because that's kind of like saying when we all go to school— The people who just barely get by still have a diploma. And they do, but what are they really going to do out in the world if they don't develop their skills or utilize their potential? And you know what the answer is. Now, you can tell me some story about some, well, you know, Larry over there quit high school, and then he did what with his ambition and his skills? He went out and he did something? Right. That's not the same story that, you know, you're trying to tell a different kind of story to minimize what I'm saying. But it doesn't work because it's not even compatible. What I'm saying is there are not people who are extremely complacent and lack development, etc., who then go out and contribute and thrive in the world. They don't do that effectively. They don't have effective relationships. And this is the reason that we have so many of these psychoactive drugs and so forth and so on. Because it's dampening and it's very rough on the human spirit to act that way and we know it internally and your body will shut down and your body will feel sadness and anxiety and all these other things because you've not developed the mechanisms that are your more or less uh social and psychological immune systems you fight germs right right how do you do that well you know you fight germs you got an immune system and you get vaccines and you take vitamins and you exercise and you develop the, the immune system it's what you do and then you're going to tell me that like these folks who are have to be gluten free and everything else aren't i can tell you exactly what happens in those situations they're not number one they don't get exposed to the right things and their body fails them when they do get exposed to those situations because it's not with consistency there are other pieces of it that are genetic, where older people have children that are then fragile human beings because they're born by older, more fragile people. Kids that are born from adults in their prime or prime kids. That's why you eat meat here, except if you eat it right before the expiration date. It's cheaper because it's about to go bad. And it's that much closer to being spoiled and at the end of its usefulness. When people who are at the end of their usefulness um, are the ones who are the parents, you may look at it and say, well, these these people are 40 and they own a big home and they got a big retirement. and And there's a reason that the children that come from those folks are often in unfortunate situations. Because biologically, those people are not at their peak. They don't develop and progress and keep up with children quite the same. If your dad is 45 when you're 5, he can't keep up with you the same as your dad who is 25 when you're 5. They have physiologically deteriorated. You may try to argue that this is like a, an extreme case when you find, well, I've got a friend like that, he don't have no problems, and there are going to be folks who don't fall into the statistics. And in those situations, you're only furthering what I'm saying, which is if you'll try things a little differently, you often will know what the truth is. But when you statistically stack up people who are older and go, here's the situation, you run into a lot more allergies and disabilities and so forth in the children, and it's a shame Uh, Because now those older people are spending their dollars and all that wealth and everything they accumulated waiting to have children on trying to prop up this um, youth uh, that they have who comes from the DNA and the, the intercourse and then the ultimate pregnancy and delivery of a child who is at their later years. And so it, there's a lot like that. It's like getting a rescue dog. Now you got to rehabilitate him and take care of him and you know you don't get to see him as a puppy and he's not going to develop the same way. And, yeah, but if I rehabilitate him, he might be a good dog again. I understand what you're saying. However, he's now physically and traumatically very limited. Now there are people who go through fire and they come out harder on the other side, right? Iron sharpens iron and all that stuff. There are cases of that. Which is why you can always try. That's why I encourage the experimentation, but I don't encourage things that are statistically and biologically like They're medically proven. This, you know, medically statistically, if you, you know, smoke X number of cigarettes a day you're going to increase the chances of xyz and we feel so strongly about this that we put warnings on boxes and we've sort of socially agreed on this life insurance and health insurance reflects it if you smoke cigarettes it's not a fucking mystery and there's not a big advocate uh advocacy there's not a big advocacy group out there who's going against what's happened for so long ago you know we really need to research cigarettes again maybe we should let them back into restaurants it's going to be great because we know we're not still playing around with fucking uranium playing Marie Curie and going you know uh I don't know if there's still as much radiation yes there is that's why you're wearing the vest when you're under the machine because when they shoot your x-rays they don't want you to end up glowing in the dark we know that it's not going to change like that's science But there's a lot of things, like when you're developing feelings for a new person, when you're having conversations, when you want to endear yourself to somebody. Maybe as as I was talking to an old friend, where they judge you or look at you in a way that is just, it's rough for them to be able to tell you, well, this is what I do. This is how I look at people. This is how it's going to be. It's how people act. It's not how I act. And that doesn't make me wrong. because There's more than one right way to do things. What it means is I'm going to have um, a slower burn and more feasible and a more diverse amount of information to go off of because I went out and, as they said in Jurassic Park, right, they said that they're testing the fences. Well, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I've explained this in other episodes on the podcast. You go out and you say things that are a little bit more, they're a little bit rougher. Because maybe you're tired of making dad jokes. And you're like, hey, let's make some jokes that will really make people laugh. Well, wait a minute now, because if you start talking with those words, they'll cancel you. You'll get fired. And you might, if you know what inappropriate is or what, you know, inconceivably could be taken the wrong way. Or if you know what's absolutely going to be like, this combination of words is well, that ain't a mystery anymore. You know, maybe you don't call Larry some derogatory series of words, terms, labels, whatever about his birth certificate. Leave it alone. But if you think Larry. And you can have an inside joke and you can say something about something that happened on the job or otherwise. It's up to you whether you think that there's enough political flexibility to still do those things in the world. You may be in a job on an oil rig or, I don't know, some rugged, stereotypical kind of place where you can still be lawless with your comments and political views and humor and whatever. But for the most part, that's not going to be true. And you're going to run into situations where if you really want to be able to advance professionally and play it safe and have a secure job, you're going to trade off that wild-eyed, you know, hit-or-miss sense of humor because you have a world full of people that just don't accept it. You know what he said? Yeah, it was fucking hilarious. I don't accept that. I'm not tolerant. It triggered me. It hurt me. It was very offensive to me. You know, it's funny, right? It wasn't serious. It's not funny to me. Well, then you just got a shitty sense of humor. I don't understand what's in that medical research paper. That's right, because you don't have the right training, or your intellect just doesn't go there. But what's there makes sense to the people who are at a high enough level to be able to interpret it. Anything could be funny to someone who's able to interpret it in the the humorous way. And there's people who have dark humor and this and that and the other that you would think, well, that subject is off limits. Often it's not. People find levity in all kinds of places and they joke at a funeral or afterwards is that too soon because they need that release that's their humor way of doing it you may look at it like there's some kind of alcoholic or something cuz other people use the bottle to medicate things and it's ridiculous when you start to put it in those terms and act like there's only one way for anybody to deal with any thing It's already been experienced in the world. It's been diagnosed. Here's the accepted way to do it. We're never going to do it any other way. If that's true, you'll never see any new products brought to market. You'll never see any updates for anything on your phone. That's as good as it's ever going to be. Just forget it. You own an iPhone one. Fuck it. But the old, you know, they're saying the constant in this world—the one constant—is always change. And there's folks who don't accept it, and they're not going to have the ability to either go with the flow, overlook, laugh, you name it. But it is politically incorrect, because it's off-limits at work. It is. In most corporate policies, it's off-limits at work to talk about marriage and religion and politics and sex and you name it. It, Pretty much anything personal is written in those uh, bylaws or your contract, your employment policy. Almost everything like that's in there. If you're not talking about work and how many widgets you're making, you're probably in violation of the policy. You can celebrate somebody's birthday. You can do some very harmless things that are going to fall within encouraged company behaviors. But there's almost nothing else that you can talk about socially that doesn't in some way violate that policy. You know, who got elected? We don't talk about politics here. But inflation, we don't talk about politics. Hey, why does that cost so much? Inflation, you know Joe Biden. Let's go, Brandon. Hey, wait a minute. Can't talk about that. You're not, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to speed when nobody's looking at night in the middle of the desert, wherever. I mean, these are very technical things. So when you start playing this game and going, well, that's, that's a little bit too, you know, we got to have something. We'll overlook this. You should overlook it. But if you're really going to overlook it, you ought to just amend the policy. Because what's written down is kind of like when people have the Bible, they kind of want it to be followed. And then you're like, well, officer, I was only doing this. And he says, well, the law says I can charge you. But you shouldn't. Right. And that's that level of flexibility. So take that and put it into your interpersonal communications with people and say, well, you know, this guy told me this thing and it was very obvious or it was very vulgar or he said this was uncomfortable. And it is. There's a lot of things that people are going to say that are just fucking off the wall. But they're trying to figure out who you are. They don't pretend. So they might say something way into left field and way into right field or very, very flirtatious very sexual, they might ask what you would consider to be intrusive questions, any of those things. And you can look at it like (laughs) we can't be with this guy he tries to look too high and too low and he's exploring all the possibilities like a good detective should because he's trying to get a preponderance of the evidence he's trying to look at everything and then try to figure out who you are you shouldn't have to tell him who you are and how to act He'll figure it out, but he's going to make mistakes along the way because that is what shapes his behavior. Those trial and errors are what shape how we make safety policies and what chemical equations we consider to be stable and what you can buy at the grocery store and the other things that only a government contractor can buy because it blow you up. And the better that you're going to understand the tolerance and the patience behind all those processes, the more that you won't look very, very foolish and hypocritical when you try to tell everybody you already got figured out everything it's ever going to be, who you are, how they can act. And you're not open to anybody else learning it about you in a very prominent, long-winded way. God, I've been her friend for 10 years. I never thought she was capable of that. Oh, you didn't know from day one when she told you who she was that she could... Hmm, okay. Oh, my neighbor over there, he chopped up 45 cats and threw them in a swimming pool and then he took a bath. What? That's right. Lived next to him for 30 years. He used to babysit my kids. You never saw it? Never saw it. Oh. Maybe you were the neighbor of John Wayne Gacy or Jeffrey Dahmer. I never knew what Jeffrey was doing. He was just hungry, you know. He was eating that man's detached penis, you know. and Like fucking crazy shit that you're just going to talk about something that is just way off the wall as if it wasn't a possibility in the spectrum of who that person could be. You had already put them in a box and diagnosed them and figured it out and it never occurred to you. And then now these things are happening and you're like oh my god who could have known well maybe you had some wild conversations with him because then the atf people come around and they go yeah that's kind of true we did talk to the relatives of uh timothy mcveigh he did seem to be against the government oh well we just assumed that he was in the armed forces and he was rah 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 uncle sam all the way turns out he was really pissed off about that uh Oh, am I going to forget it? Whatever Ridge incident. And then he decided that he was pissed off when he went down to Waco. And then he decided to blow up the Oklahoma City building because nobody had conversations or tried to take him, you know, and and say, hey, um, what is it that you're trying to say? Okay. And, And try to maybe include him as a member of the community. He's only an extremist because we didn't include him in the community. And he might only have those views because as we didn't include him in the community. He had to speak louder and do wilder shit to get noticed by the crowd that didn't accept him. And I'm not saying the guy who runs into the crowd with dynamite strapped to his chest ought to be embraced. But there are certain things that you can do to try to talk sense into people or to try to inform them that in order for us to all live in a more smoother, wilder, and yet safer environment. We all got to know what we're doing that is healthy for us. There's a reasonable level of scientific experimentation in conversation, in jokes, in whatever behavior. There's a reasonable level of how far you can push the limits before you start to piss everybody off or you know ruin relationships. And, then there's a, another level of compromise you have to have. You might be really pissed off about whatever happened in Iraq. You just don't like George Bush and Dick Cheney, and you don't like how things were handled. I understand that. But at the same time, like, it's extremely hard for me to look around at people and say, Well... Were they speaking really loud before? Like, did we not try to include them? Did they, did they try to get included? Did they try to be part of something and nobody was listening? It's not an excuse. It's just an explanation for how they got farther and farther away. If every gas station they passed was out of gas, they got further and further outside of where they started. And now the only thing that refuels them, recharges them, includes them, is this extreme part of our, you know, population. It's these folks who, they've now created this other community with very loose, if any, regulations and laws. And, you know, they, in order for everybody to work out in their world, you got to just go with the flow. It's like fucking Mad Max, the Wild West. You pick your analogy. And in their situation, almost anything is acceptable. Because for the most part, people that get extreme just say wild stuff. They want to be heard. Those are outrageous or devastating things that they're having on their mind and they need to express. But very few of them still feel the urge you know, or the, the necessity and uh, really act on them. They don't take those, you know, the number of people who threaten the president or who are investigated by the Secret Service, et cetera, et cetera, is very high. The number of, you know, actual attempts is just not correlative to the number of people who talk about it. A lot of people who talk about what they would want to do, or they want to be an engineer, they want to make a difference, they want to be a scientist, et cetera, they don't go out there and... Uh, attempt in any way shape or form to um, get the schooling needed they don't have the equipment they're not not an amateur nothing it's just they're just dreamers and they're people who hypothesize about what it would be like and then there's other people who have a lot of battle scars they have a lot sometimes have a lot of good stories sometimes they're very successful They learn right away what works, and then they just blend in with more successful or eccentric techniques. And then you'll run across people who are built like I am built, where they're constantly trying to find new information or learn or figure out a new boundary, something that's a little more clever, and just add to this ever-growing database in their head and, and go, oh, you know, I'm going to talk to my, I really love this girl, and I respect her, and et cetera. and you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I would love to be able to get my foot in the door, so I'm going to tell her, you know. I'll be happy to be a handyman to help you in the garden, to do whatever it is, to show you the skills that I have around the house, you know. But I don't want you to confuse that now, and you decide you're going to tell her too, like, you know, I have a romantic interest, and she's like, well, no shit. You don't gotta say that. Like, well, you might need to hear me say that because there are people who are genuinely trying to go, you know, look for your acceptance or be your friend or otherwise. And there are people I do that for. That's something that differentiates you from other people in my life. I'm interested in that with you. I want to make that clear. I want to repeat it. She may say, Well, that's obvious, and you know, you don't need to tell me that, or and just It means something to the person who's expressing the words to be heard and accepted and acknowledged rather than to be told. Well, I already knew that, so na na boo you're not telling me anything I don't already know. You know, it's just an offensive kind of front that people try to put up, almost like, no duh, Captain Obvious, the silliness that they do to try to... Um, I don't know, it's almost like they're elevating themselves above you or they're casting down this kind of, I don't need to be told that. You're wasting your breath. Not really. We've got a lot of time to get through. You're not always going to say fresh and amazing things if you court somebody and then you end up with a long relationship. There's a lot of things that are going to repeat themselves. A lot of menu options are going to recur over and over. There's a lot of things that you're going to do, like go to the grocery store whatever it is, on a regular basis. And it's, to me, not any different if you just remind people, hey, we're running out of milk. Well, no shit, I just drank some milk and I know what's in there. Or the guy was trying to be harmless and just point out there that he is observant and he's thinking about that and now maybe you go well we're not just out of milk you know we're out of cheese and da-da-da-da. and you further in a constructive and progressive way the conversation to the point that oh now it's like you've offered something they already knew eh. but maybe they need to come back and say well i've been observant too did you know about this oh i'm glad we both know about that we should sit down and build a grocery list or if one of us goes you know is there anything else we need okay thanks And you make the best statement that you can possibly make, and you try to have, you know, this very fruitful outcome. Because I'm a person who, you know, when I say things, I don't mean any harm. And I certainly try to do things in a way that maybe someone will find wickedly or um, unexpectedly entertaining. Maybe it is not statistically something that somebody would say. That's, That's not normally what people say, you know. That's right. But I'm not trying to have this database of where people come around me and they get ready to say something and I have this pre-recorded response to give back to them because I've already handled that situation. And this is the thing that politically works the best. So I'm going to treat you like a number and just another mirrored, copycat, duplicate. You know, I've been through this situation before and here's what works. All right. All right. Thanks for coming. Because then your life is just like the automated phone system that everybody hates. Well, you can never get a human being on the phone. It's just like the kiosk. You're never going to get a human being there either. It's a kiosk. But if you live your life, given those automated phone responses and trying to you know treat everybody like they're just another person calling in, another person who should have the exact same needs and wants and behaviors, and they're generally all falling into these six options, like the telephone directory, you are extremely... Uh, what I would consider skeptical or otherwise extremely complacent about what you think human beings are capable of. Because at the end of the day if you put them into this number of behaviors and just think that's the only way it could be and everything else is offensive or nobody ever operates any other way, you're you're just making excuses for not doing it like everybody else. Yeah, that's exactly what people told Elon Musk. Just do it like everybody else. We don't need no electric cars. You don't need no rockets. Yeah, he might be doing some wild shit out in the public or with his kids or on Twitter or whatever the else, Because that's the kind of person that you have who discovers these other things. The innovations come through trial and error. There's some stuff he's going to get very wrong. Some stuff he's going to get very right. And that's the nature of having that number of resources has got something to do with it. But that's the nature of trying that many times. There's going to be a... Tremendous amount of failures. There'll always be more failures than successes. Maybe you've been a Duke basketball fan your whole life. Yeah, because they've been winning your whole f-ing life, and you're what they call a front runner. You only pick the team that wins, so then you can go, "My team won." <laughs> Did you go to school and get recruited and play basketball for Duke? Did you win a fucking championship or something? I don't know about. You're a donor to the athletic program and alumni. Are you something that has to do with their basketball program being successful? No. Oh, that I don't understand. Just because you bought the t-shirt doesn't mean that you actually did anything. That's ridiculousness. That's like saying The Rock won the WWE Championship. That's right, I'm a fan of The Rock. He won that title. He won the title. What are you bragging about? I was there. You you bought a ticket, so you made it possible? I guess, because it's a theatrical kind of production. It's choreographed or whatever you want to call wrestling. But you're part of the event. But I don't hear you going over to the concert and going, you know what Chad Kroger did? No, because I don't listen to Nickelback. What did Nickelback do this time? It was an amazing concert. They played that song. Look at this photograph. I was there. It was fucking amazing. Was it because you paid to have a ticket and watch? Or were you like on guitar and I don't know about it? What is this thing where you're living vicariously through them, but you can brag from a first-person point of view? You don't get any credit for it. You were there. So what? I saw that space shuttle take off. I was down there in Florida. Down at the Kennedy Center. Yeah? Did you, like, I pay taxes? Well, now you got a good argument because you donated in a very, very indirect way to the space program. Good argument. Did you help develop the shuttle, push it out on the runway? You got friends, family, something to do with NASA? No? Oh then it sounds to me like a coincidence. And to me, that's a, a big stretch to even give you credit as being coincidentally part of success when you weren't there, you didn't contribute in any way, shape, or form. You're just an observer. And being an observer doesn't mean that you can brag. You know, If your kid graduates high school and you had something to do with his philosophical approach to school, his homework, you rearranged for him to have a tutor, Whatever you... You might have done some wild things for your son to graduate valedictorian or even get across the stage and get a diploma. That's fine. Good measure there because you're more closely related to the outcome. But to say that you're so far detached from the actual event or or from the orchestration and the execution of the event, you weren't part of the... Guitar playing. You weren't part of Chad Kruger singing. You're not part of organizing a Nickelback concert. You didn't rent the arena. You didn't book the tour. You're not related to the fucking roadie. Like, I don't understand how you can claim anything. You can say, you know what I felt? I felt some powerful music. These guys played some powerful music. I felt that. It was crazy. But I chose to be part of that. And now I feel this way and I have this memory. So that was a good decision. It was a good decision to buy that ticket and be there. Because this is an experience that I carry with me. Now, that's a completely separate way of saying I was at the concert, and this is what I took away from it. They gave it out, and I took it. I paid for it, and this is what they gave to me. I paid for this burger, and it tastes delicious. I'm ready to work. Great. I'm glad you got some nutrients. Go pick up some, you know, coal and get down into mine and breathe that dirty air. Go support your family this thing that, that folks do where they put everybody in a box and then they try to, you know, pretend from the outside in as if they were some kind of social engineer is just a ridiculous way to look at the world. You know what? I've figured out how all females act. When they do this, they really want it. They're wearing one of them chokers around their neck. They were kinky bitches. <laughs> no, they're not. They might just be wearing it for decoration because they saw their friend do it, mom do it, just part of the outfit, whatever. Right in my hand is a glass of black velvet, toasted caramel, This Canadian whiskey. it's cheap as shit. But it's a prop. I don't drink uh, because I like the way that alcohol makes me feel or some other kind of bullshit. It's part of the stage production. Wrestlers could wrestle in cargo pants, and they do. Some wrestle in tights, some wrestle in shorts, some have other outfits. It's part of the production. It's part of the podcast. Will I drink when I'm in a social setting or with other people or otherwise? I have, but it's not the same as having caffeine and Dr. Pepper and cold and all those 23 flavors and everything that the... um, Well, I I mean, I don't know what's on the back of this bottle of Dr. Pepper over here. There's 150 calories in... Every serving times six, which would mean there's nine hundred calories to a bottle. I drink like two bottles a day, so I'm just like eighteen hundred calories in just Dr. Pepper. Um, But you could tell me all kinds of things about how high fructose corn syrup is really awful for me, and I agree, only because I see it in medical science. And I've seen if you stop drinking Dr. Pepper, then your uh, your stomach will uh, look a little bit different. Like there's a whole lot of things that happen from when you stop eating ketchup and mustard and condiments and all these other things. Directly related to high fructose corn syrup would be like you love pancakes, which can be too much starch, uh, but you really love syrup, which is, you know, uh, depending on what you're what you're eating. But it's syrup. I mean, it's sticky. You know what it does to a plate? It's all sticky and gooey, and it gets on your fingers, and then get off. That's what happens underneath the skin of your stomach. That's why you have that pudge that hangs over your belt or whatever else. It's from eating condiments. It's from eating syrup. It's these fatty fucking things. The kind of stuff that sticks to your plate when you go to put it in the dishwasher and you have to let it soak or scrub it off or use some industrial uh, cleaning solution. That's the kind of thing that's bad for your body. What are you talking about? I love chimichangas. Yeah, but you've seen what happens to the plates. You know what it looks like after you eat a lava cake or something at a restaurant? All that stuff sticks to the plate and it's gooey and it's chocolate and it's flour and... You know, all the stuff from the cake. Well, that's what happens inside of you. I don't need science to tell me that. Science does tell us that, but that's something you ought to be able to observe and go, hey, wait a minute. When I poured this sulfuric acid on my skin, it started to eat the skin off of me. I don't think I should drink it. No shit. This bleach smells awful. Then don't drink it. Like That seems to be the thing. When things smell awful, you don't need to ingest them. They're probably bad for digestion. But this idea that people are talking harmlessly to you and they say something you didn't expect or you think means something different is a pause and an opportunity for you to ask, what did they mean? Ask them to clarify it. Hey, did you you weren't trying to offend me, were you? No, you know what I actually meant was this and that and the other. Oh, it comes from a wholesome place. You were trying to either learn or impress me or take a wild guess. Now that you, you know, didn't get what you wanted, it's wrong, or I'm uncomfortable, or otherwise. What's gonna happen? Well, I'm gonna have to do something different. That is the ultimate when people have said, well, you're just making excuses. It's the ultimate accountability. You are genuinely accounting for something. It's a trial and an error and a dash that you put down. Maybe I'll do it a little bit differently this time. My timing will be a little bit different. My words might be a little bit different or otherwise. And you make it a little more perfect as time goes on. That's how you become a great person on a debate team or a conversationalist or a person who's giving a lecture or otherwise. You know, I gave the right information to all these people and they fucking fell asleep. Yeah, but did you do it in an entertaining way? Do you have a great contemporaneous way? Do you pace it out and pop the crowd here and there are you changing the tone of your voice you know what kind of background did you have are you standing up walking around or reading a book out of a chair it's very different in terms of the options and the ways that you can evolve this process and the more that you change the more that you've tried different ways to see what works for you you could build it all in a hypothetical lab and tell me that my ideal person if I start a business is this person in this age in this location and You could say statistically, that's what it's always been. And I say, yeah, okay. So maybe you want to go down that avenue. But you may find as time goes on and things change, as they constantly and always will do, that what you were doing is setting up to do things in a way that was always going to change. And you don't have the ability to be able to do anything different, to be able to get outside of that box and try and go, man, man, it's, it's... The price of getting my stuff wholesale has really gone up. What am I going to do? Well, you could sell more of it. You could try to get it from different wholesalers. You could try to find some other way to supplement your income. You could sell online directly to the consumer and cut out some of the brick and mortar storage that you have to pay. Or the shipping costs that come to you and then the customer gets it. Maybe you can get it from them to the manufacturer. That's what Amazon does for the most part, right? They have a vendor, and then Amazon takes a little bit of the money. You buy it through Amazon, and the other place ships it directly to you. Now you're going to say, Amazon ships it directly to me. That's right, because more and more Amazon has bought up all of those companies and products. But what they've done is cut out the middleman or the brick-and-mortar store. So you buy it through the mail, and it comes directly to you. They don't have to ship it to a store and then pay a guy at the store to house it and security systems and energy and everything else that is a local store. That is not part of their budget. They can buy, I don't know, an iPod for X number of dollars from Apple, and then they sell it to you at a very high rate of return because they don't have to ship the iPod down to Cleveland, Ohio, and then pay for a store and security and benefits and all of the other costs associated with operating this extra local shop. They've cut that out of the process, and they'll ship it from some regional distribution center directly to you because they save all of that money. And they can let it sit there on the shelf that much longer. Why? Because they're saving all of that money. And the more people that buy from them, the more it puts those other shops out of business, and the more patient they can be because they're sitting on that money. Just the same as people who... On realty nowadays, you're going to see houses, you're going to see shops, you're going to see plenty of places that can be leased. And they are charging wild amounts of money. Why? Because they're sitting on money. And they know what they can lease it for. And the harder it is when everybody else raises the price, somebody's going to have to come to them to do business. Now, at the end of the day, they can't let it sit there forever. But they're playing a game. And they're doing what you're doing. You're holding out until you find someone who is your ideal clientele who's willing to pay the price to act the way you want them to act and, you know, honor the lease and put down the the time or the money, the effort, the deposit, so to speak. And from there are all of these little eccentricities that you lose by trying to fit into the box and conform. A lot of people don't like those things. They... um they don't want to be part of that system. They think it costs too much. They're giving up too much of themselves. They think they're paying too much. And not only financially, but they think it's like a... Um, I guess you would say they think it's this way of letting someone else have too much control. That they're able to charge too much money and they're too far out there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're not willing to be part of that system. And they don't want... To, to see anybody else be part of that system. It's the reason that towns struggle sometimes, but Walmart wants to come into town and Walmart will pay X number of dollars and they'll do this and they'll create jobs. And, and there's towns who go, we don't like that culture. We don't want to lose our hardware store and automotive store and everything else and consolidate it into Walmart's hands. Good move? I, I think it's a good move because Walmart makes all the money and then sends it back to Jonesboro and the shareholders, etc. cetera. It decentralizes the money that's in your town and sends it somewhere else. They hire the lowest, you know, uh, the people who will do the job for the, the least uh, probable amount of money. That's how they develop their pay scale and then bring people in. And so the guy at the hardware store with 20, experience, 20 years of experience uh, is going to come over to Walmart and work for less without the same benefits. And he's going to get lowballed because they put him out of a job because somebody else kind of let a predator loose in their uh, city that's what walmart is i mean they're, they're trying to soak up all of the market share they're commercially predatory and a lot of people are going to say well that's the nature of business it really is the nature of business i don't disagree with any of those things i'm just telling you that if you want to protect the integrity of your community and have all those localized jobs and be able to keep more money and purity in your community then you can't do things like that You can't have the big commercial chain store craziness kind of thing. You go, well, where else are we going to get spatulas for a dollar to go in our kitchen? You're going to wait till somebody else offers them in their general store or local shop or otherwise, and you're going to pay that price for them. But that's what you pay to be able to maintain those jobs and the integrity and the structure of your community. When you start to decentralize everything and bring in cheap products and have excess that's what changes the environment. That's where there's overpopulation. That's where there's climate change. That's where there's so much that goes into those factors, those, the factors behind those things, like the landfill and the quality of water and et cetera. Now, these other people have all the leverage in your town. They've got all the money tied up, they've got all the market share. They closed all of your other businesses. So, you got to do whatever they want to do. That's your only place that you can get tools anymore is to go to the Walmart because, you know, because they put your other people out of business. They've taken away your options. You let them come stay your house, and then they raided your fridge, and now, you know, it's one of those things. Well, it would be more like you you let them into your home uh, either willfully or out of naivety, and now they're like squatters and squatters' rights, and they occupy this and that and the other, and it'll cost you a tremendous amount of resources to be able to kick them back out of your home and clean the mess back up. But maybe you had good intentions. You were like, well, we just thought? I'm not telling you in any way, shape, or form when it comes to communication to just let people talk to you in any way, shape, or form. But if you think what they're doing is of a negative nature or it's abusive or they're doing things that are out of the norm, they're doing things that would... Um, I suppose you would say trigger you or make you negotiate your morals, give up your morals, often I think the best thing that you can do, and you're listening to my podcast, but the best thing that you can do is to ask clarification questions. You know what you did right there was a mistake. You messed it up. And I think to myself, well, maybe what they did is not a mistake. Maybe, and I'm not saying they purposely... um, created a negative outcome, but maybe it was innocent. And when you live in this world of auto-predict and auto-fill and auto-text and Grammarly.com and everything else that gives you this free um, set of tools to create this more perfect utopia, you can be, which is what's so wild, you can be a person who, with you know, almost 8 billion other folks in the world, is not accepting and not inclusive and doesn't like embrace the possibility that someone was innocently trying to figure something fresh out and doing it in their own way. Just because somebody said, I know what you did last summer, and they wrote I-N-O, you know, and they spelled it differently, and they did it wrong, and, you know, they went by phonetics or voice-to-text screwed it up or whatever, your thing could be, oh, tell me more. Or you could say, you know what you did wrong? Let me tell you what you did wrong. They probably looked at it and know what they did wrong or know that there was something wrong by your expression or by the conversation and the energy in the room. They may need to know that they're going to adjust the next, you know, forever behavior based on that. They may need to apologize or explain what's going on. But because they told you what their method was, that's not an excuse That's accountability. They're telling you how they arrived at the mistake. This idea that everybody does things intentionally knowing the outcome all the time is motherfucking ridiculous. If that was true, we would live in a world where we didn't have to go through all this testing for everything. We'd all get it right the first time every time after the age of 18 or a high school diploma or you you pick whatever that measurement would be. But at the end of the day, It's not like that. We still have to figure things out. And even civil conversations with the oldest of friends can go sideways over the most innocent bullshit if one party is intolerant of the other person. If they already got it all figured out, there's nothing the other person can do. If you call their explanation an excuse and that's not what it is, you're the one getting it wrong. But there's a lot of people who have all these defense mechanisms and they have ways to protect the accuracy of what they think actually happened. And what they'll do is shut that down or not let the other person talk. They'll tell them they're wrong, cut the conversation off. They're not going to have any investigation into who was right or wrong about this. There's not going to be further conversation They're not going to admit defeat, tell you they're wrong, anything else. They're going to cut it off. It's a fucking cowardly way of doing things, but it's what they do. It doesn't have anything to do with patience and acceptance and all the things that many many people of high morality who do these judgmental sort of things do. Uh, They're not equipped, and if they are, they're dishonest about having the mechanisms by which to solve these communication problems. Because if you've already passed judgment and you're unwilling to accept any kind of appeal or you know let somebody tell their side of the story or otherwise, why are you talking to them at all? Because now you're saying you don't believe them. And all that tells me is that you're a person who doesn't accept the truth. That's a pretty difficult way for people to live, and I could see why those people would be unhappy and probably cut people off. Because they've probably done things like this before. It probably makes you feel very ugly inside. I don't know. I've not treated people like that in a very long time. But I remember that it's not right. I know sometimes people mean well and they send me a message and go up, hey, this and that and the other and podcast or an idea or what if. And I talk to them and we try to get Right. We try to find common ground and understanding, and I don't look at what they did as an unforgivable mistake. I mean, that's just ridiculousness. I'm the, the ultimate hopeless romantic believer in secondary 10,000 chances kind of person. So I don't agree with the whole, like, you said something wrong, so I have to ixnay and terminate and forever close this conversation, and I can't have this person in my life, or they're not, still full of all the potential that I already saw them full of. Maybe it takes them a different route to get to that potential. And the way that I thought would be the most perfect thing for them is not what they choose. Now, who am I to tell them how they have to do everything? That's just ridiculousness. Well, you know, Jim, you know what a regular person would do in this situation. You know what the average person would do. You know what most people do. It may not be what Jim will do. It's that simple. I'm not telling you to watch everybody make mistakes and go to jail and get back out, et cetera. We can all understand what the law is or what harms people. Conversations, statistically and otherwise, are just ridiculously um, innocent or compassionate or harmless for the most part. I may exchange a gigantic number of messages with people during the day or talk to people here and there and face-to-face and co-workers and so forth. Very, very few times is anybody intentionally trying to express or take out their frustration is even more rare on me. It's just not how it is. But if you put it in that box and think... Well, he couldn't have meant anything else. He must have known what the result was going to be. He knew he would end up regretting it and being upset and knowing that you're now mad at him and now he's got to work ten times as hard. Is that what he knew? He made it more difficult for himself on purpose? No, he didn't. He was never going to do that. He never wanted to do that. But when you forgive him and you're not flexible, you're making it that way. You've predetermined this outcome and sentencing and so forth. But, you know, we do that legally, too. And then we put it in front of a jury and they go, not guilty. What? But he did this thing and we got to do the thing and punish him. And they said no. They looked at the circumstances and said, "Eh, don't think so. Not today. Next case. OJ is guilty. Well, to them, he's not. Sometimes it turns out that way. But sometimes we lock up innocent people too, and that's exactly what the fuck I'm talking about in this conversation that I'm having with myself. You put people into a box. You tell everybody else they have to behave that way when they don't behave that way, even if it's good, bad, otherwise. We're going to treat them all the same. That Gestapo kind of SS German way of trying to treat people the same. We're going to lock them all up. We'll round them all up. Ship them out of town. Ship them to the camp. Get them out of my inbox. Get them out of my life. Can't be... I can't be happy with this person. They can't get the most basic things correct. Maybe they're trying to get the most basic things correct by going the long way around it. And I'm not saying the guy who's messing up every single time, but if he's planted 50 things in the garden and then he messes up one or two... Statistically, that's insignificant, number one. Secondly, it seems to me if he's only got one or two things that are the undesirable results, or that the topics that he talks about. He talks about a bunch of different topics, and there's only one or two things. You know, he had a whole show of jokes. This comedian was great, except for these two things that happened in the course of an hour, and now you're going to fucking harp on that instead of the other wonderful amount of time that you were able to connect with him. You might respect his difference of opinion or say, you know what? I'm going to take the good with the bad, and the risk versus reward is tremendous. Yeah, that's what I do. But you don't have to do that. You could say, well, it's not perfect, so I don't want it. And then, who's the asshole? Is it the guy who got it right because he's not perfect? Or is it the person who doesn't accept imperfection? Anyway, I um, I had written this entire list of things that I thought would take up uh, an entire podcast episode called The Vehicular Disguise. I'll have to do it another time because I'm not going to make you listen for like three hours. Uh, but I hope that everybody had a great Christmas. Uh, I got to have some, some, some good stories and, and things with my people. Um, it's going to be an interesting new year. Uh, I... Professionally, I'm professionally, I'm seeing some mm, changes, and no, there, there's some good changes. <laughs> you're not in front of me, so you don't know what kind of expression I made. You only heard it, because it's a microphone-driven show, but yeah, it's one of those things where I just think that people uh, are going to be happier in 2023 in my world, at least I hope they are. And if we all accept the different possibilities about people and look at it from a harmless or a positive intention perspective, we're all going to be a lot better off with each other. I'm not saying you have to embrace naively embrace people who are doing like really wild and um, very reckless things. But what I am saying is if you're getting along with somebody that you really enjoy or you have an attraction to, you're lusting after you you, you know you're very curious. Do not look at the little cracks and then say, well, it's not perfect. And the, this basic thing, it's not perfect. And you're going to run away and you're going to ruin, you know, what could be a, a fucking lifetime of, of memories. It may push your potential in ways that you've never known before because you're doing something a little bit differently. You're accepting things. You're doing it in a way that uh, is not your norm, Right. You're already going outside of your comfort zone and learning and growing by taking into account that what you thought was true may not be true, and you're willing to be vulnerable and explore those possibilities. But if you continue to reinforce things in every situation and say, well, every explanation is an excuse, and every time somebody makes a mistake, it must be a fuck-up, there's no good reason for it. Well, I think you're going to carry around a lot of unnecessary stress. And that's a shame, because you could be enjoying the happiest moments of your life with the person that you're already passing judgment on. And I cannot imagine that you won't, at some point, uh, in retrospect, uh, regret um, sending innocent men to die. I mean, is in that the story of the Green Mile? They put John Coffey in the, the chair, and all he was trying to do was help the girls, but it was too late. And, you know, only the gatekeepers and the guards and Tom Hanks and and his buddies know the truth. It's uh, it's a curse that people uh, carry around. And I wish they would just be accepting and, and work around it and have much, much happier lives. But I can't make people change. I can only record shows and leave them out there. What you do with the information is up to you. I just hope for the best. Have yourself a great new year, which will be happening in, uh, it's 2 o'clock, so it'll be happening in roughly uh, 34 hours, and uh, we'll be in 2023, which is where I will catch you next time on another episode of Michael L. Craver Presents. Wish you